The sacrifice of Christ as an atonement for sin is a great truth around which all other truths cluster. In order to be rightly understood and appreciated, every truth in the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, must be studied in the light that streams from the cross of Calvary. I present before you the great grand monument of mercy and regeneration, salvation and redemption, the Son of God uplifted on the cross. This is to be the foundation of every discourse given by our ministers. I'm William Earnhardt, and I just uh, shared with you one of my favorite passages from Gospel Workers, page 315. And in the light of what I've just read, I would like to share with you biblical giving in light of the cross. God tells us to be good stewards of our time, money, and talents that he has given to us. They're to be used to help spread the gospel. Why is it important to understand the truth about biblical giving? 1 Corinthians 4.2 tells us, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Why is it important to understand biblical giving in light of the cross? Soviet pastor Richard Wombrand, the author of Tortured for Christ, suffered terribly for the Lord. Yet he said that even while in prison, he saw fellow Soviet believers practice generous giving. He writes, When we were given one slice of bread a week and dirty soap soap every day, we decided we would faithfully tithe even that. (coughs) Every tenth week, we took the slice of bread and gave it to a weaker brother as our tithe for the master. End of his quote. Pastor Wombrandt and his friends practiced tithing, even in prison, not because God needed their bread and soap, but because they needed a way to express their love for God. That is what biblical giving is all about, using our time, money, and talents to say, thank you, God, for loving me and giving us your son. Just like a little boy who takes his allowance money to buy a Father's Day gift. In reality, the boy is only returning what the Father has already given. It is the same with us and our Heavenly Father. Let's take a look at how we can thank God for his unspeakable gift. In my home, I had a plaque with a picture of the cross and the words, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? This much, he said, and then he spread out his arms and died. Jesus doesn't need our money. That is really not what the tithe and offering system and biblical giving is about. He has given us the tithe and offering system. So when he he asks us, how much do you love me? We will have a way to answer. Let's uh, take a further look at biblical giving in the Bible. In Psalms 50, verses 10 through 12, it says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, 
and I own the th cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. That's Psalms 50, verses 10 through 12. This reminds us that everything already belongs to God. So anything we give to him, he already owns. And even what stays in our home or in our pockets still belongs to God. As a matter of fact, Psalms 24, verse 1 tells us the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Psalms 24, 1. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So we belong to God. And so biblical giving and giving in light of the cross isn't just giving of our possessions or, or our times it, it, or, or our, our time. It's giving all of ourselves to Christ because on the cross he gave all of himself for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20, it says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So not only did uh, God create us, but Christ Jesus died for us on the cross. We belong to him because he made us. We belong to him because he died for us to redeem us. We read earlier 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. And that's the thing to remember. We're managing God's money. The money in my pocket is not mine. It's God's. I can return 10%. And the 90% that stays in my pocket after I give 10% to God, that 90% that stays in my pocket still belongs to God. I'm not managing my money. I'm managing God's money. And so it tells us here in Leviticus 27.30, and this is what a, a faithful manager uh, will always remember here in Leviticus 27, verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So one-tenth of our income is a return to the Lord and numbers 18 verse 21 tells us what that tenth or that tithe is to be used for as for the tribe of Levi your relatives I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle instead of an atone I'm sorry let me start over as for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. 
Numbers 18.21. So the Levites were the priests serving in the tabernacle. That was their job they were devoted to. So they weren't farmers and, and so forth. So everybody else gave a tenth of their income of what they uh, produced to share with the Levites so that they could focus on their work in the temple, their work for God. So what is it used for today? What is that tithe used for today? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 through 14 reads, Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. So today, the tithe goes to pay the pastors that are spreading the gospel. And here in uh, Proverbs 3.9, it tells us, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Now, I've heard people say that, uh, you know, that it was only food that was tithed, not actual money. But here in Proverbs, Solomon is saying your wealth. That would include your money, of course. And also in the New Living Translation, it says the best part of everything you produce. In the King James Version, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. What that means is when we receive our paycheck, we return that 10% plus our offerings to uh, God, and then we pay our bills with what is left over. We don't pay our bills and then tithe what is left over. That's not giving the first fruits. We step out in faith. We show our faith in God's love by returning our tithes and offerings first and then living off of what is left over. What do we do if we withhold tithe and offerings? Well, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 9 reads, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? We have, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 9. So what does it mean by tithes and offerings? Well, again, we saw that the tithe goes to pay the priests or the pastors. The offering goes to pay for uh, the upkeep of the church building, for supplies, uh, for things like that. The tithe goes straight to pay the uh, the ministers, the pastors. In Malachi 3.10, the question is, what does God want us to prove him about? In Malachi 3.10 reads, 
bring all the ties into the I'm sorry, bring all the ties into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Does God promise to care for us when we put him first? Matthew chapter 6 verse 26 to 32 reads, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Matthew 6, 26 to 32. So it's it's the unbeliever uh, that, that is always worrying about what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? The believer returns their tithe and offering right up front, trusting God to take care of them after that. I remember years ago, uh, when I was working for a small company in Oklahoma in my uh, early 20s, I had started running into some uh, financial problems. And about that same time, I had been promised a raise at work. Well, we got paid every Friday, and every Friday my check would come. I didn't have my raise yet that they were promising, promising me that was coming. And so I finally came up with this brilliant idea that until I got my raise, I would stop tithing and I would just, every time I got my check, I would write down, you know, what 10% of that was, uh, plus the offering so that once I got my raise, then I could return my tithe. Well, week after week went by and I wasn't receiving my raise. So I just kept recording how much tithe I owed and was using all that money to pay my bills and getting caught up on on my bills and everything. So I wasn't giving the first fruits. I wasn't giving to God first. I was waiting until I got my raise. Well, after week after week went by and I started owing more and more tithe, I mentioned to a friend of mine at a Bible study one evening that I felt bad because I wasn't able to return my tithe because I hadn't got my raise yet. But I told my friend, but I'm going to return my tithe as soon as I get my raise. And my friend looked at me and said, William, 
you're not going to get your raise until you return your tithe. Well, I, I knew my friend was right. And so that next week, and like I said, we got paid once a week, every Friday. And this particular Friday that followed, I didn't go to work because I'd already had so much overtime during the week. So I went ahead and I uh, wrote out the check for my complete tithe. I took it to church, put it in the offering plate, and just left it in God's hands. The following Monday, I go to work, I pick up my paycheck that had been sitting there since Friday. I opened up the envelope and I'd received my raise. And I've never forgotten that. You know, it's so true what it tells us in, in Malachi 3.10 that God will bless us more than, than we uh, can even comprehend or, or blessings that, that will overflow when we give our first fruits, when we tithe first, give our offerings first, instead of taking care of ourselves first, we give to God first, and then he blesses what is left over. You know, I've, I've heard it said that uh, God gave us the Sabbath as a systematic way to overcome selfishness with our time. And then God gave us the tithe and offering system as a systematic way to overcome selfishness with our possessions. And when we put God first, he takes care of us. And again, we don't give to God just so that we get more back. We give to God because he's already given his life for us. We love him because he first loved us. And, and we give to him not to, not to get back. We give to him because he's already given so much for us. He loves us, and, and it's our way of expressing our love for him. That's why in Matthew 6.33, it tells us what should be placed first in our lives. And Matthew 6.33 reads, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6.33 Okay, so we were talking about uh, already the part about the tithe. The tenth is the tithe, and that goes to pay the pastors. Well, uh, what about the offering? How much should that be? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 reads, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few, few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6-7 through 
So we decide in our own hearts what to give above the 10, the 10%, which is tithe, which goes to pay the pastors. Then the offerings that go to help cover the other expenses of church operations, that is from our heart. And again, we aren't to give reluctantly or under pressure. We give cheerfully because God willingly gave his life for us. So what besides our possessions should we be good stewards of? Ephesians 5.16 tells us, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Or in the King James Version, it says, redeem the time because the days are evil. (coughs) God has given us time and talents to be used for him as well as money. God bestows upon all members of his church in every age spiritual gifts which each member is to employ in loving ministry for the common good of the church and of humanity. And you know what? The most, uh, to me, the most precious gift we can give is our time. You know, if you think about it, time is the substance of life. So when we give somebody our time, we're literally giving them our life. And, and it also works out monetarily as well. You know, there might be a family that, you know, they can't give $500 a month, say, to the church. But they can spend their time helping to clean the church and save the church from having to hire a janitor that would cost them $500 a month. So by giving their time to the church, they're able to save the church money which is the same as giving money. But but again, it's not just about the money. Time itself is the most precious gift we can give. When we consider biblical giving of our time and our possessions in light of the cross, do you want to hear Jesus say this to you, what he says here, in Matthew 25, 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Matthew 25, 21. My prayer and my hope is that each one of us will hear those words from our Savior Well done, my good and faithful servant. May we all be faithful with the time and the possessions that God has given to us to manage, not for ourselves, but for him. Friends, if you have any more questions about biblical giving or just giving yourself to Jesus, I would love to... uh, talk with you, you can reach me at racer3 at gmail.com. That's R-A-C-E-R-T-H-R-E-E at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and God bless you.